what has been going on in 2020? You know what? This has not been a very eventful year. I don't really think anything of note or importance has really happened. I don't think history books will be studying this particular year at all and trying to figure out exactly what went wrong from day one until day, uh, what, 307? Is that what we're up to? I think history books, I think you're wrong, Dave. I'm sorry. I think um, history books are going to say, well, you know, we got the Fellini set. And we got the Varda set. And can you believe we got WC3, WCP3 and Carl Zeman and Come and See. And an upgrade to Eric Romare's Six Moral Tales. Yeah, yeah. There's that as well. I think those um, are the only important things, though, that, that have happened this year that anyone will ever remember. That's the only thing worth talking about. Exactly. Whatsoever. It's been a little while when uh, since we podcasted together. We were just reminiscing, sort of. I, um, I, Considering how time? I it maybe a, a decade ago, maybe twenty years ago, it's really hard to tell with how time feels in twenty twenty because March was seventeen years ago, yet uh, July was only three months ago, and January was yesterday. So I don't know. <laughs> it's definitely been since COVID. So yeah, I don't think we podcasted once this year. Yeah, it's been long overdue. Yes, so I, I think if COVID hadn't ha- hadn't happened, we probably would have been. Doing a, a couple shows, so yeah, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's good around. to be back but, on Criterion now. It feels like it feels like coming home again. Dave, we've missed you. I I, I missed <laughs> you too, Criterion now. And um, yeah, I missed you too as well, Criterion now. Um, we were actually talking about doing an episode on Gamera, um, uh, which so we still it, must do. We we have to do that someday. I just have didn't watch any Gamera films. So I, I've watched uh, through, <laughs> through the, the the most brutal, grotesque Gamera that I think there is, um, which I can't wait to talk to you about sometime. But oh, um, so if you, you haven't even gotten to any of the hentai era ones yet? No, that's the last one. And I and I expected actually. I, I I do like to watch horror films in October, and I know Gamera. You you know, there's a strong argument that that does not count. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I was like, it fits. It's a monster. Yeah. It's a turtle. It spins through space. It's fine. Exactly. Well, and um, and I just didn't. I watched like Friday the Thirteenth, and um, I went a lot of escape cinema. I wonder why that was. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'll I'll save my thoughts on that for 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 later. For another podcast? No, no. Uh, well, when we get to the piece of flair, I I I'll okay. I'll okay. talk more about that then. I, I I had a whole thing planned. That a that is. Thing. Uh, yes, we'll get there though. We'll get there. I'm looking forward to this thing. This it, it's a hook now for your listeners to <laughs> make is, sure yeah. they come it's all the way through to the end. It's it's like a now commercial break. After this, exactly. we're gonna have the most important news story in the 21st century. Exactly. But yeah, we could, uh, Arrow now will uh, continue some other day. I still have a Masters of Cinema now episode to edit, so I, <laughs> maybe it's a good thing we're doing this and not that. Uh, It'll ensure that people have it out and can listen to it around about Thanksgiving. So exactly. Happy Thanksgiving, Dave. Uh, what are you thankful for? I am thankful for Blu-rays. I am thankful for friends. I am thankful for podcasts. I am thankful that uh, the people that I know are being safe. Um, I hope that everyone listening is also being safe, uh, even though we are in a time right now where you can just go down to your neighborhood Barnes & Noble and buy Fellini's or uh, Irishmen's, uh, do so safely, wear masks, uh, don't edit that part out. I, w- I won't, Tom. <laughs> what, what a world we live in. We get Fellini, but it's actually a health hazard to maybe buy it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, be, be safe uh, yes. when, when buying your, your 
Blu-rays. So the only year we ever said that. Um, well, yeah. So we'll, we'll just do a criterion now, um, and um, and we can dig into the Friday, uh, the Friday, the Friday February the Thirteenth franchise. Is that the? Uh, I, are I we could... spinning off that direction now? <laughs> Friday the Friday Thirteenth. Now, uh, actually, we just had one. Uh, so we yeah, did a missed opportunity. But no, uh, we haven't uh, done a show since the February releases. Uh, and so, if you don't mind, or announcements, if we could, we could just talk about those real quick. Yeah. I'm sure you have a, th- a couple things to say. I do. A couple things. It's it's I another think... one of those months, though, where I have actually seen zero of the releases, but there are a number of things here that I'm very excited to actually watch. You've seen zero releases? What, zero. What are you? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I have not seen any of these things before they have been announced, before they've been released. Um, so that makes me a very uh, valued and knowledgeable guest for today. <laughs> yeah, we've said before we can we can never guess who uh, who has seen what before we book them. Uh, but uh, well, you're in for a treat, so we'll we'll talk through it. Indeed. Um, February 9th, we have Alan Pacula's uh, "The Parallax View" uh, from 1974. So this, I believe, this is the final one of the Paranoia trilogy. Um, and it's probably the most paranoid, if if that makes sense. Uh, it's uh, really really. Uh, I, I, I talked about it before. Uh, we were spoiled that uh, it was coming because Alex Cox mentioned on a podcast that mm-hmm. he was doing it. It was not <laughs> our podcast, so thanks, Alex. <laughs> Give us the scoop. Uh, but there is a new introduction by by Alex Cox and uh, a lot of other stuff. So, no, um, do you like the the others from the the trilogy? I don't or think I've pa- I don't think I've seen anything from the the Paranoia trilogy. So. This is me uh, exercising my uh, ignorance here in not knowing about the Paranoia Trilogy, not having seen the Paranoia Trilogy. It it looks like a political thriller. Looks like it has some JFK, uh, RFK assassination stuff involved with it. So this sounds like a a very fun, interesting watch, especially considering the, uh, the kind of world we live in. Clute is part of this trilogy, isn't it? It is, and All the President's Men is Never mind. I have seen All the President's Men. I have seen that movie. I have not seen Clute yet. It is on my shelf. So once I watch Clute and the Parallax View, (laughs) I will have seen the complete Paranoia trilogy. No, I have seen the uh, all the President's Men. Yeah, that's that's a pretty pretty big one. Yeah. Um, Yes. So so I think it's. uh, I think we talked about it last episode when uh, we got that tease from Alex Cox. So I I don't know how much I have to add. It's a really good movie, and what you know what you described about um, you know uh, the assassination. uh, I guess controversy or whatever uh that's kind of kind of i, I think you mentioned rfk mm-hmm. um, so that yeah that kind of permeates the entire film and and you know i don't want to spoil but it is, it is the most paranoid of the paranoid i think all the president's men is you know that's just really just an investigation yeah that one's probably from what i know of the other two now it's probably the most tame of them yeah it's pretty much straight it's pretty straight it's good good movie but uh pretty straightforward um, and we have so we have the introduction. We have interviews from Pacula uh, from '74 and '95, so they go back a ways. Um, a new program on cinematographer Gordon Willis, featuring an interview with Willis from 2004. That's weird. It's a new program, but with old interview. So hmm. okay, uh, a new interview with John Borston, assistant to Pacula. Of course, if you know him, he's a director in his own right. I don't think he's in the collection. I don't. Yeah, I don't to check i'm googling him um, to see what he's made name sounds and familiar english subtitles for the uh, deaf and hard of hearing so um i always appreciate those um yeah i i'd say buy it good good stuff what do you think of the cover i think it's a good cover i i think it 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 is intriguing enough 
to to show you kind of what you're in store for and i think that's really all you can ask for uh from a cover it's interesting artwork with a uh mm -hmm. with, with enough of a hook to, to pull you in yeah it's uh Beatty in profile with a, a flag bullet going through his face and if you um if you've seen the movie uh, yeah of course we, we you mentioned there's an assassination theme but if you've seen it you th this means something so just plant that seed interesting um, I, I will not dig further, so I will not be spoiled by the plot of this forty-six-year-old uh, uh, movie. <laughs> it's not groundbreaking, but um, but yeah, when you when you see when you finish seeing it and you put it back in the case, look at the cover and go, ah, I see what they did there. <laughs> All right. So, um, see, see, I, I, I'll preface this. The rest of the, this, a lot of people said that this was a disappointing month, but I, I actually think it's exciting for the very reason you mentioned. Because these are films a lot of us haven't seen, so I, I think it's actually a very exciting month, and, and a lot of it has to do with the filmmakers involved. Like as we get into more of this, yes. we, we're seeing a lot of films from non-white men. Um, yes, yes. Which uh, we, which Criterion has been making an effort to do more about, and I think that that should be exciting for anyone. I mean, Osman Sambien is a filmmaker that's been in the collection with uh, with, with Black Girl, which was fantastic. Mm -hmm. So I'm very excited to see more of his work. Uh, with with many of these filmmakers, their work is less available than perhaps the the Fellinis or the Bergmans of the world. Of course, I'm never going to complain about getting those kinds of movies out there. But I think it's always great when there is this representation, when there is this ability to find more films that perhaps one would not seek out on their own. Uh, and Criterion, I, I mean, they are a tastemaker. So this mm -hmm. is how things like canons can change by having them show this representation. So I think that this is a very exciting month. I do too. And uh, so, so speaking of which, we'll, we'll get to Usman uh, Samben, I believe it is. Uh, so this is his second feature. It's Mandabi, and uh, and and I, I'm with you. I when I when I watch Black Girl, Black Girl is such an impactful film. But there were so many features that, and it, there were career retrospectives that it kind of felt like it was stacked full of just, hey, this is the Sun Ben film we're going to do, mm -hmm. so we're just going to throw everything in there. And um, so I'm, I'm very pleased and uh, surprisingly pleased. I, I've seen a few of his. Uh, I've seen uh, Zala comes to mind, but there's been, there have been others. Um, but this one I, I um, have not seen, So, and there's still plenty. Um, so there, it's a 4K restoration. We have um, uh, introduction by... Uh, this is tough with the names uh, Abu Kabar, uh, Abu Abu Akar Sonogo. That's probably terrible. Uh, so I'm sorry, Mr. Sonogo. I, I believe that part's correct. And then a conversation uh, from 2020 with uh, the screenwriter uh, Bubakar Boris Diop and sociologist and feminist activist Marie Angelique Savan. Um, so interesting, feminist activist. I, I, I don't know the, the premise of this film, so I don't know uh, if there's, I, but I, you know, of course, black girl. I, yeah, I, you can it. obviously see the the, the feminist, uh, in, the, the feminist lens. You can view that film through. So I, I have to assume. Again, I've not seen any other films by Sambien or Samben. Sorry, I'm gonna butcher names as well. <laughs> so <laughs> it's butchering names. If, if it's, a criterion, names, now, this, uh, it's a criterion now. It's a criterion episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hold my beer. We'll we'll be um we'll be butchering some more names. Yes. Uh, Praise song, a new program about uh, his uh, uh, Semben featuring outtakes from the 2015 documentary Semben, uh, which actually I believe I don't quote me. I could always Google it, but I think that documentary was on Black Girl. 
Hmm. I could be wrong. Um, I can look that up right now. Well, you you be my fact checker. Yes. And then we have uh, Tau, T-A-U-W, which is a short film by Sun Ben uh, from 1970, around the same time as this release. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about Sun Ben, and I, I hope this is, uh, you know, and, you know, not that... I, I, I like that they're being more inclusive and trying to bring more uh, black filmmakers in, into the fold, and I think more African American, um, African American, African filmmakers yes. into the collection. I yes. would like to see more of those, but Simbin is, is pretty much the master. So, um, all so, right, yeah, more more Simbin. So there is a documentary on the Black Girl Disc called Simbin: The Making of African Cinema from 1994. The outtakes in this one are from a documentary called Simbin. From 2015. Okay, I think I saw that documentary. That's that's why I remembered so it. So there's two different ones of the same name. One of which <laughs> that is not re- repeated on this disc is on the Black Girl disc, and we'll get to repeated uh, supplements as we get further along in the February releases. Oh right, uh, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. In fact, I skipped that one uh, on the the other option. <laughs> so. So, yeah, and then uh, on February 23rd, we have uh, two from uh, Raman uh, Barmani. Is that how you say it? Barani? I'll, yes. I, I don't know why you're asking me like I know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have Man Push Cart and Shop Shop. Uh, so as, as it turns out, this is a great month for this household because my wife and I, we've seen Man Push Cart. Um, Goodbye Solo is one of Andrea's favorite movies. I don't know if you've seen that. I, I was hoping that, that, that when I saw Barani, um, I was hoping that would be included. I have not. But, I did not know that was the filmmaker behind that. So now, now, now things are piecing together into my head as to who this filmmaker is. Yeah, and by the way, he—he, he, I believe he's a white filmmaker. Not, not positive. Um, but, uh, but I would say uh, so. Man Push Cart is very much about the. It's very much a New York story. Uh, you've been in New York. Uh, I have. Probably exists in Philly, but, uh, you know, there's all the food carts. Oh, yes. You know, they're everywhere, every street. And um, and I don't think you don't think about those people when you when you go by there, but not like this. This is uh, very much uh, uh, experiencing the world of cart selling. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's man-push cart. Yeah. In fact, every time we've gone to New York and we see a man pushing a cart... We will say "man push cart." So thank you, Barani, for putting that into our vocabulary. Uh, but I, I think it's a strong film, not his best, but a, a really good film. But kind of an indie uh, character study. Uh, so it's uh, it's really good. And uh, Barani is an American-born, uh, first-generation uh, American. His parents are Iranian immigrants. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. With yeah, the, the name is certainly not uh, Jones or or uh, no. Eves or West. Or and anything. and and at first, when kind of looking at these covers and looking at maybe the, the names, of the titles, I I didn't expect them to be American films. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think I, I can see that. I, I think it's great though to get that immigrant experience though, in an American film because we we are, uh, we're we're not quite a melting pot. We're more of a salad bowl where, where there's so many different people and so many different cultures interacting. Mm-hmm. So I think it's always great to get this different view of America in in your films. And yes, this is certainly uh, it captures the immigrant experience. So um, so I think that's uh, just an important uh, I guess perspective that uh, you know you don't we don't get too much on Criterion. Uh, the American immigrant experience mm-hmm. uh, sometimes, but uh, but yeah, it's a it's a special movie. Uh, so we have a, a commentary. I always love commentaries. Um, uh, look, one criterion. Let's 
keep keep those up. Let's uh, let's bring those back. And this is probably from an earlier disc. It has uh, Barani and the DOP, the AD, and uh, the lead actor mm-hmm. uh, Ahmad Razvi, I believe. So, of course, who knows? And then there's another conversation with uh, the most of them, except for the DOP, uh, on the making of the film. Mm-hmm. I hope it's not a, a, a Zoom. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting critical, but <laughs> some of the Zooms, I'm getting tired. Although I do understand 2020, you know, I'd rather a Zoom than nothing. Yeah. Um, and then a, a new uh, conversation with uh, Barani and uh, the scholar and scholar Hamid uh, Dabashi on the origins of the films of the film and uh, Barani's cinematic influences. So, um, yeah, as a as a, Second gener or second generation American immigrant, um, I think this the, probably this comes from his personal story. So, um, so yeah, you, you have something to look forward to, Dave. I have, I have lots to look forward to. I again, I I think this is one of those great months where it's just like, oh, I can't wait to watch all of these things because everything is new and exciting to me. Same here, and um, continuing in that in that vein. We have Chop Shop, which is also Barani, and that's uh, also on February 23rd. And this one is about automatic, automotive repair shops in Queens. So speaking of uh, underrepresented <laughs> industries, I guess. <laughs> um, so I have not heard this, but I've heard great things, or I've not seen this. Heard, heard fantastic things. Um, also a commentary. Uh, in fact, the supplements look almost the same. I wonder if they recorded them back-to-back. They probably did. Except for I'm the not commentaries. Gonna, I'm not going to blame them, though. And the, the covers are fine. They're still shots, probably, of the film. I know the Man Push card is certainly of the film. It looks like the same is true of Chop Shop. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, go. Uh, I'm looking forward to those. Recommend at least Man Push card. Yeah, but highly recommend you watch Goodbye Solo, which is a, definitely not a New York story. Yes, that that's that's one of those movies that's just been like on my list of things to watch, but that list, I'm sure as you know, grows exponentially per day, so it gets hard <laughs> to keep track of what to watch tonight. It sure does. And finally, finally we have uh, Smooth Talk. So we're just racing through these. One thing when you haven't seen a film is you don't have a lot to say yeah. about it. I mean, I'm speaking for both of us. I haven't seen this either, but no. um, but it's one I've, I've wanted to see. So this is Joyce Chopra. So uh, again, Criterion is being inclusive of female filmmakers, and that'll come back up here again shortly. Mm-hmm. And um, this has a, a young Lauren Dur- Laura, Lauren Dern. Laura Dern. Is this her um, first film? Uh, Joyce Chopra's. No, uh, Laura Dern. Ah, uh, good question. I don't know. Um, it's pretty early. This is uh, eighty-five. I, so I, I've seen images from it, and she looks like a baby. So she, it could be. Yeah, uh, although she she did start pretty young. So no, I, she's I, been I, in. She was in stuff before that. Never mind. She's, I, I thought so. Yeah, I, I, that we're just so used to Laura Dern. Exactly. You know, even today, you know, she, she's we we know her face. Um, uh, might be the first uh, Treat Williams. Ah, sorry, that that's <laughs> the one that everyone cares about. <laughs> Treat Williams. Yes, Treat Williams is finally in the Criterion Collection. Excellent. And it won the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance. I didn't mm. know that. So, because um, it kind of looks like a standard American story. I, I don't mean standard in a bad way, but mm-hmm. uh, an interesting American indie, basically. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, and I, I love the cover, even Same. though I, I assume that's from. A, well, it's not a still shot. It looks illustrated, actually. Yeah, it looks like it might have been taken from a still shot and then illustrated, but it has a very. I don't know, it has a very 80s feel to it, which I think is fantastic, especially the font. Especially mm-hmm. the font and the color yeah, palette, the, the pink so and purple. 
it, yeah, it looks great. It's uh, based on it's a new cover based on the original theatrical poster by Vincent Topazio. Let me see if I can find so, that original poster just to compare it. Well, good luck. You're, you're my Googler. Thank you for this. It's interesting. The original poster also looks hand-drawn. Huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah it might just be um, a cut and paste. We, um, and it's based on a, a Joyce Carol Oates story. So if you're into um, literary literature, she's a fixture there. And um, yeah, it is Chopper's debut film. And so now I think we're probably going to get to the overlap. I'll go ahead and call it out. I think it's it's one of the short films was also on Girlfriends. It's which, Yeah, it's Joyce at 34. Joyce at 34, yes. So I, I, I watched Girlfriends and I skipped Joyce at 34, knowing I'd have another another shot at it. So um, yeah, so awesome for, for to get some Chopper in the collection. Uh, we have... Uh, so. For supplements, we have a conversation with Chopra, Oates, and uh, Dern at the uh, New York Film Festival, moderated by um, uh, Alicia Malone, our good friend. Uh, 2020's New York Film Festival. So I, I, I remember subscribing to, I watched a couple films from that, um, including American Utopia and uh, Nomadland. So I'm, I'm guessing this must be a virtual com- conversation. I mean, it has to be. Yeah. Um, a new interview with Chopra, new interview with the production designer, and then all the shorts that we mentioned, including Joyce at 34, and then an audio reading of the 1966 Life magazine article, The Pied Piper of Tucson, which inspired this short story. Huh. I think I'm probably checking out of that one. (laughs) (laughs) Not clamoring for audio readings of magazine articles. Maybe that's, that's the only way to get That's it. the only reason I'm buying this disc. I'm not watching the movie. I want the audio reading of the 1966 Life Magazine article. I want the uh, complete edition of audio readings of Life Magazine. Yes. <laughs> that spine 1100. That is our next box set. Yes. So that, that's our, that's why, why there's no box set in February. Exactly. But yeah, again, I, I think this is an exciting month uh, for the reasons we already mentioned. And um, and yeah, I've already pre-ordered them all, and I will watch them happily. Excellent. So, uh, that's the tough thing is is you always have to compare it to other months. So sure, there's no Fellini box set, which is a good transition. Have you gotten yours yet? Oh yes, I have. I got mine early thanks to ordering it directly through Criterion. I have already dug into two of the discs. Uh, this thing is gorgeous. I I kind of love this box set in a lot of ways. You know, I, I I can basically say the same thing. I got mine early. Yeah, Criterion really really um, got these out. I, I got mine Saturday. Same before the release date. Yeah, and it was just and you know I, we've known it's coming and it's uh, a special set. But when I held it in my hands, like it felt it felt like magic, really. Yeah, um, which uh, which fits really, for Fellini. Yeah, a beautiful set. And I also also watched the uh, the first two films. Although I skipped the um, the supplement on the first film, which is the documentary about um, uh, Fellini, which is actually a, a well-renowned documentary called, um, I think, Born a Liar. Is that it? I don't know. I actually haven't put in the first disc. I'm jumping around with this one. Oh, I see. Okay. See, I wanted to see La Strada on, uh, on Blu-ray because I've never seen it on Blu-ray before. I've only ever watched it on the channel. I think it's nice. its first time ever on Blu-ray, so I figured I need to start here. And then I'm working backwards now. I had never seen I Vitaloni, so I wanted to watch that as well as a uh, first time. Excuse me. All right. Well, watch. I get, we kind of round out the first disc because I watch um, Variety Lights and <laughs> The White Sheik, so we can uh, 
talk about that briefly if you'd like. Um, Excellent. Have uh, you seen those two? I have not. Uh, so the, okay. I was planning on watching probably at least one of those tonight, maybe two if I'm if I'm lucky. Um, yeah, they're they're good. Actually, of of the two, I, I prefer Variety Lights, which was a, a co collaboration, and it actually it's uh, it's. And, and by the way, I, I love uh, Gialetta Messina, and there, and she's in both of these films. Ah. But um, and in fact, uh, what I didn't know is, and this sure it's a spoiler, but you can look it up on IMDb and, and see it. But uh, in the White Sheik, she plays Kabiria. So that's uh, really I, I didn't realize that that's a prequel. It's almost like the Demi, you know, universe. Oh, look at that. I, Kalini, well, yeah. I'm definitely gonna have to watch the White Sheik before I rewatch Knights of Kabiria. Well, makes sense. You're going backwards. Yeah. Uh, but they both capture. You know, he loves, especially Lestrada. He loves like that theatrical or uh, the 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 collective uh, entertaining entertainers. Whether it's a circus, whether it's a, in Variety Lights, Lights case, it's um, a a variety show. And the White Sheik. It's a film crew, and of course, this continues in Dolce Vita and Eight and a Half and else and others. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're they're uh, quite strong. So, um, <laughs> so what do you think of, of Vitaloni and um, and uh, your your rewatcher of Lestrada? Well, Lestrada might be my favorite Fellini film. I, I love that kind of mix of kind of that like Italian neorealism with this world that is not real for most of us, like this world of a performer, this world of the circus. I, I think that's kind of what just makes Fellini so special. It, it's almost like extra it, it's it's where neorealism meets surrealism and i think in a way that's almost more real that's a little bit more like the human experience so uh and, and i vitaloni was great seeing these experiences of these young men and seeing them trying to like get ahead in life and again it, it just brings in this like carnivalesque world into everything and and it was a little bit more fun and fanciful than i thought it was going to be because i always saw it and saw oh a neo-realistic effort from Fellini, and i thought oh that might be a mm-hmm. little a uh, little bit of a downer and sure of course his films have sad elements but they're still fun and uplifting as you watch them at the same time uh, even though Lestrada, without spoiling anything has a pretty sad ending i still find it to be a very entertaining enjoyable watch uh, actually, Lestrade is pretty sad throughout, but <laughs> yeah, and a lot of them are. Um, yeah, and and speaking of neorealism, so I mean, this his his career began um, during that that movement mm-hmm. and kind of in the backdrop. And I think I Vitaloni is probably the most neorealistic okay. of his films. Uh, the the first two I think maybe have certain elements, but you know, it's mostly pro actors. Um, I think the 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 lead actress in Variety Lights was not. Uh, um, she was a, the wife of the co-director hmm. um so i i don't but yeah she obviously had some sort of training gotcha um and the white sheik is um is has a sortie as the white sheik and um yeah i less i say about that the better i that, that's one thing you can spoil all these pretty easily mm-hmm. um although the synopsis probably does as well i won't so, read the synopsis so, then so you're you're tackling the disc one backwards, and how are you going to go forward? So um, my kind of plan was to maybe mix it up, watch one that I haven't seen, then one that I have seen, one that I haven't seen. I don't necessarily feel as though I need to tackle it in order, although it could be good to see how his style develops. So maybe I'll watch The White Sheik, then, or uh, Variety Lights, then The White Sheik, and then just move forward from there in order. Yeah, I, I'm going fully in order, um, and I'm so I'll rewatch uh, *I Vitaloni*, 
and uh, Lestrada. I, I can't wait for that. That's yeah, Zampano. Is that his name? Yeah, the great Zampano. He's uh, great. Yeah, with, 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 with his worst trick in the world, <laughs> with his iron lungs. Oh right, right. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one thing about the the mid mid films uh, or mid career films, really, as he really ro- rose to national or international pro- prominence. Uh, you know, after Caberia, you, you, La Dolce Vita, Eight and a Half. Um, I love those films, and I, I've seen uh, actually I've only seen Eight and a Half once, and it was one of my one of those impactful gateway films. So that'll be interesting to revisit. Yeah, I but I very nearly to... revisited that because I've seen it a few times. And before I decided to put the disc on, I was like, wait a second, I've seen this before. I already own it on Blu-ray. Why am I starting here? Let's start with something that's new. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've done that too. And with Eight and a Half, I've wanted to re- revisit it, but it's like, okay, I, there's so much else I could see. On the flip side, I've seen La Dolce Vita three times, and I, it's just one of my, it's probably probably my favorite of the set. See, I am, I, I think my, my experience with Eight and a Half and La Dolce Vita is the opposite. I've seen Eight and a Half several times, whereas I've only seen La Dolce Vita once, and it blew me away. It's might be up there with La Strada. Maybe if I watch it again, it might be my favorite of his movies, but it's, a three-hour movie, so it's not the easiest to just it, pop yeah. on whenever you want. But it blew me away the, the 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 one time that I've seen it. It is the way that that ending kills me. Um, yeah. Uh, but you know, for me at least, it's a very uh, it's a very easy watch for a three-hour movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think of uh, Christ Stops at a Bully. It was a recent one that I really enjoyed, but that was a little laborious. Isn't that um, one the four-hour-long one? Maybe it was four hours. It's that very extra long. hour. I remember <laughs> yeah. being like, "Oh, I can't wait to watch this." And I flipped it over and said, "I'll get to it eventually." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Knights of Kiberia, I haven't um, seen that in about twenty years, and that oh, wow. that one was also impactful. So, um, yeah, I might come out of this set with a different f- favorite Fellini. You uh, might. Uh, so, so question: When do you think? How long do you think you're going to take to tackle this? I, I think Bergman. <sighs> we took our time. I mean. We, a lot more films than the Bergman set. But. For me, with the Bergman set, there were a lot more that I had already seen, and I hit it hard at first, and then kind of eased back. And I had been binging, binge-watching Bergman for years, and I'd been kind of like, all right, let's take a few years off so that I can revisit these and really love them. Uh, Agnes Varda, I got about halfway through that set in a, in a binge-watch before I said, okay, I'm going to back off a little bit, watch some, some horror movies. It's October. I'll get back to Agnes Varda soon. I'm thinking I'm probably going to do the same with this, where I probably got all the way to eight and a half, take a little bit of a break, and then push through with the rest, probably at the beginning of next year. Yeah, that's probably a good strategy. Yeah. And by the way, the the Varda set, I basically binge-watched, and I loved every minute. Oh, I, I, I need to get back into it. I think I'm stuck right now at um, uh, one sings, the other doesn't, and the only reason I haven't popped it back on is because I watched it it feels like very recently because that that came yeah. out what last year uh, yeah a year or two yeah. yeah yeah same same here um in fact i think yeah i did i did watch that again so i, I think i watched all of them and i yeah, that's one thing one thing with these box sets is and i did that did that with bergman as well is if um if I, but my little rule is if i hadn't seen it within like you know a, a short window of time so i didn't rewatch persona when i watched bergman because I just saw it in the theaters before that mm. set came out. So, um, but of course, I'm gonna watch Persona quite a few. Oh yes, quite a few times. Um, yeah, the one thing about Fellini is uh, at mid mid career, uh, as after Juliet of the Spirits, he kind of takes a jump into Crazy Town, <laughs> and um, so I don't know how I'm gonna pace myself through that era. Um, so yeah, I think it won't take as long as Fellini, but it won't be finished by the end of the year. For yeah. Me. 
No, and I've seen... unfortunate because of the last two I haven't seen, or the last uh, few. Yeah, after... I haven't seen Juliet of the Spirits, but I've seen Satyricon and Amorcord. And there's definitely like, what happened here? It's <laughs> not that they're bad. It's just they're definitely uh, a different different style. Amorcord is a little... Yeah, I mean, you can kind of see mid-career Fulini just because it's uh, more personal. Yeah. More uh, autobiographical, but... Uh, but yeah, uh, the, the others are a little out there. Satyricon, I, I think it's fantastic. It, I think it's fascinating. Oh, it um, is. And, and uh, but I, actually, I, I can't wait to revisit that one. Same. Again. Just I, I watched it when it came out, which is a good, good distance from now, when. Uh, yeah. So now anyway, is every you might know the answer to this. Is everything in here a new restoration? I'm pretty sure it is. Okay. Uh, yeah, it says new restorations of all uh, all 11 gotcha because so, um, that was kind of how things were with the Bergman set that even like Cries and Whispers and Persona it was a new restoration newer than the discs that have been previously put out so uh, I think it's most obvious with Cries and Whispers because the red is a little deeper mm-hmm. in, a, yeah. in that set than the uh, the older Blu-ray wow what a movie oh yeah and yeah, so I, we've it's been announced for a while, but I, I just noticed there's a, a Marcello Mastroianni documentary that's um, three hours. <laughs> oh, that's how long. Oh, that's why it's on a separate disc then. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, a lot of uh, more discs. But let me just say that when I opened the package, I don't know if you had this that same feeling. <laughs> oh, I know exactly what you're going to say. That piece of art is just it just blew me away. Oh, and, that's and just the entire. All of it, all oh, of it. The art is fantastic. That's not what I thought you were going to say. I, I thought you were going to say that when you opened it up, all the discs fell out. <laughs> no, I did hear that happen with some people. <laughs> it though. happened with me. Mine, oh, it did? Okay, yeah, so, mine, mine were intact. So, so if I'm, you have I'm not already sure received this, just open it very carefully. <laughs> yeah, mine was packed very well, all good. But um, but yeah, just quite a, quite a package. And um, as we get to, you know, we're in November, about to be December, thinking about best of the year. Even though I haven't seen this, it's definitely going to be um, in the conversation for sure. Indeed. And it's been quite a year for Criterion, nothing else, Indeed. as we established. And ju- one last thought that I have on this. What, what do you think about the the overall size and presentation of the package? Um, it's it's big, bigger than I expected. Uh, it's I think it's bigger than the... Uh, the well, it's, it's uh, square. It's square. Uh, it, Bergman is um, like portrait size. Yes. Uh, rectangle. Uh, it, I, yeah, it was large. I, I kind of enjoy these. I, I think for non-spy numbered releases, it's okay for them to go a little wild. Uh, I know a lot of people complain about, say, the Godzilla set because it's harder to shelf. And maybe maybe for something that's like a spy number, like Spine 1000, if you want to be neurotic and make sure everything's in order, I get that. <laughs> I have it separated out for this. It doesn't bother me too much. And I kind of, I, I don't know, it almost felt like a, a board game package, which I thought was very interesting. And fits, <laughs> that's a good, yeah. And yeah. fits with Fellini. Yeah, yeah, I love the cover too. With, oh yeah, uh, him, you know it's it's all about him, the maestro. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, the, the one thing about now having that along with Bergman, Varda, Zadowichi, um, Olympic films, you know, the, I, I kind of keep all the box sh- sh- sets uh, on the same shelf, mm-hmm. and that's a very odd looking shelf right now. Oh yeah, um, it mine looks like a, a city skyline. Yeah, yeah, and my my Godzilla since it's too tall. I had that, you know, kind of just laying on top. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so if they keep doing this, then my shelves, I'm going to have to buy different shelves for yep. different box sets. But that's that's a problem I'll, I'll fight, fight down the road. Um, also, uh, The Irishman came out this week. Uh, mine shipped, but uh, shipping's been slower, mm-hmm. uh, unless you go to, go to Criterion. And I actually bought this from Amazon. Same. Um, 
So yeah, it's it's said so mine's arriving on Thanksgiving Day. Mine we'll... said it was supposed to arrive on Thanksgiving Day. It is now updated to arriving tomorrow by eight p.m. Ooh, okay, well we might have some some Irishmen. Hopefully, uh, I I watched it for Thanksgiving for the first time last year on Thanksgiving night, all three and a half hours of it, and it flew by. So I'm hoping to continue that tradition. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, actually, it has only been a year, but um, but yeah, I'm. I, I really love the Irishman. Um, it's divisive. I'm surprised a lot of people like to take shots at it. I know. But, um, uh, I, I don't know why, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm up for it. So, uh, okay, well, let's get to just some of the other things going on with Criterion. Well, of course, we have the, the coming soon. Um, so this is coming up to uh, December. So we have Crash, Mouchette. Um, um, and that's, by the way, that's, of course, Cronenberg's uh, Crash, not the other one. <laughs> <laughs> it's also Cronenberg's Mouchette. Cronenberg's Mouchette. That would be an interesting <laughs> at re- remake. Uh, no, Bresson's uh, uh, Mouchette. And then uh, it's uh, William Greaves' uh, Symbiopsychotaxoplasm. Um, th- this is the show to for hard things to pronounce. Thank you for having me on. And Amoros Peros. Uh, so which of those are you most looking forward to for next month? Uh, probably Crash. I've never seen Cronenberg's Crash. And I know that there's a lot of controversy here because Criterion is putting out the Blu-ray and Arrow is putting out a 4K disc. I'm still just sticking with the uh, the criterion here. I'm also excited for Sim- Symbiopsychotaxoplasm because I started watching it on the Criterion channel fairly recently. We got an exercise bike because we're stuck in the house, you know, mm. with all the pandemic going on. Sure, sure. And I tr- we, had, we, had, we got an elliptical, so you yeah. know. And I started trying to watch that on the Criterion channel while I was exercising and quickly realized this is not a movie you can exercise no. to. So <laughs> I'm excited all. to have the Blu-ray so I can actually finally watch it. And I would recommend against exercising to Mouchette. <laughs> Maybe Amoros Paris would work. Yeah. I, don't know. Um, I haven't seen Crash either. That's a big blind spot. Yeah. But I did. I did pre-order the Arrow um, before this was announced, and so did you keep the pre-order, or are you, you going to just uh, cancel it or own both? I I think this is from what I've, I I don't have the Arrow uh, specs uh, in front of me, but from what I can tell, this seems like it's worth owning twice. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Frankly, if if I don't like it, I, I don't. I can't imagine not liking it. But if I don't like it, I'll I'll give away or sell the uh, the other the Arrow version. Probably. Yeah. But I guess 4K, and that's a different conversation for Criterion. I, I don't see them doing that anytime soon. But I, if I'm going to watch it for the first time, it might as well be on 4K. Yeah. I see, I, I I think and again, you're right. That is a completely different conversation. I I think they're going to have to start going that way soon. So many other labels are uh, have done that. But we'll see. I think they are. Uh, so, somebody posted a thread in the Now Forum today, and um, basically everybody was a little uh, tired of, of that discussion, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a little bit of sarcasm, maybe more so than necessary, but, you know, it is what it is. Exactly. Uh, we, we've, we've been asking for 4K. It's kind of like, all right, let's just let's stop and wait and see what happens. But, exactly. Um, but not expecting it soon. Um We also, so we did not get the World, World of Wan Kar Wai set in... February, but I think it's fair to fair fair to assume it's going to be soon, maybe March. Um, but one thing that's interesting, they, they put the the entire series up on Janus Films, and uh, they put the trailer up, and it was a, a beautiful trailer. But there was no twenty forty six, right? And that, that's that is weird. It is, yeah, and of course, uh, there's also no my Blueberry Nights and no Grandmaster. But that actually makes sense. <laughs> Those. I mean, not to you know, not to uh, crap on those films, but they're 
kind of seen as lesser efforts. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2046 seems like, you know, if it's the world of Wong Kar Wai, I mean, speaking of world building, that's, um, that, that's like, he literally built uh, a time mm-hmm. period, so. And, um, I, I mean, 2046 is not my favorite Wong Kar Wai film, but because of the fact that it ties in so much with his other films. It does, yeah. It, 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 it's, it's a weird omission. It is, yeah. I, I have to, it must be because of rights. Um, I know that um, that a couple of the films are Weinstein properties, and I think a couple mm. of them are Sony. I don't know which is which. Oh, also, Ashes of Time is not on there, which I haven't seen. Oh, that one's so, fun. That one's good. Yeah, I'm looking through the list on Janice good. now. I, again, not my favorite. That one's a, like a straight period piece, but it's... Uh, I mean, all of his movies are, are enjoyable. The one thing I'm going to say, I know that this is what's listed on the Janus Film site. I would not be surprised if maybe Criterion pulls some strings to have the physical media release have some films that were not included in the theatrical touring edition. Maybe. That would be nice. And, and sometimes they do pony up for films that um, that, that are not, um, they don't have the rights to. So Fellini, of course, we had the Studio Canal films mm-hmm. and... Um, and for uh, for Bergman, like the Serpent's Egg, came, I think Arrow had the home media rights and released their own, their own disc. And I think there were a couple others that they um, they licensed. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Because okay, there uh, there were a few for Bergman that weren't in the the tour, but it could be that they were just films that don't get as much attention. So who knows? Yes, yes, and probably not not the huge price tag as a uh, One Car Y. Yeah, and they yeah. So it, can't call it the complete One Car Y because he's still still in the game. But um, we'll look forward to that when we get it. And um, and I was going to say, speaking of uh, Chinese film, it's actually Taiwanese, New Taiwan Cinema. It, there's also a Janice uh, Flowers of Shanghai by uh, Hu Xiaoxian <laughs> that's going to be touring. And I believe this is the first Hu Xiaoxian. I mean, he's been referenced in the Tony... Um, uh, not the Tony... I was going to say <laughs> um, Tony... Um, the, the scholar um, Tony Raines uh, Raines uh, yeah and uh, Edward Yang oh how, how can I forget how in the world can I forget <laughs> I, I was thinking Tony I don't know any Tonys I, Tony Raines I just Tony got thrown, Raines. thrown for a loop um, so uh, Edward Tony uh, Yang Edward Tony Yang um, yeah so this is the first Hu Xiaoxing is, is that not right I think that's how you pronounce it Hu Xiaoxin he's in uh, Taiwan story, isn't he? Is an actor? You're, yes, he, yeah, he's in as an actor. Um, and, and that the um, documentary on, I believe it's on the WCP two disc um, about the the new Taiwanese cinema was really really great. Um, and uh, and it seems like all of those uh, those early directors worked together. Yeah, and those of course are the two two big ones. So um, so yeah, I can't wait for that. I'm excited. I think the only Hu Shen film that I've seen is his newer film, The Assassin. Yeah, yeah. So I haven't seen many either, just because they're not readily available. I did buy um, an Arrow. Um, I think it was Arrow. Some some that I haven't watched yet, which is actually unfortunately a problem. I have a few I have not watched yet. <laughs> I know that problem well. <laughs> so. I do want to talk Arrow, speaking of, of which, um, real quick, because some things are happening that I'm a little confused by. So Arrow Academy didn't announce um, a title. Well, actually, they, they announced um, the, um, uh, the uh, I'm, oh, Imamira uh, trilogy. Yeah, that's being released in December. That, that had been previously released, but right. that's, like, I think, the only thing coming out for the rest of this year. 
and they put a very vague post up on their social media and they said hey no nothing new to announce we're kind of like revisiting we're looking for feedback on the line um kind of sounds like maybe they're maybe the academy is struggling and they're thinking about um you know doing away with it or something or maybe reinvesting those resources in the era video which of course does quite well yeah it's more mainstream genre film um I don't, what do you think I, it's really tough. I, I can't imagine that they're spending too much additional money to put out these films, but at the same time, if they're not making any money from them, then I, I, I don't know. I hope that they stick around because I think Arrow Academy is great. Um, I don't know. It's 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 concerning, I think. Um, I, I think that they're saying that they're not going anywhere. Yeah, they say they're not going away, but they just have... Uh, Maybe they're they're trying to rethink maybe the kinds of films they focus on, uh, maybe trying to become a more high profile thing. But I definitely think that they're kind of second to the table when it comes to other labels out there like Criterion or Masters of Cinema. So, but at the same time, I think that's kind of good because they get to focus on some films that maybe don't get as much attention, um, mm-hmm. like some of these Imamura films, perhaps. Or um, trying to look over at my shelf right now. But I mean, they have yeah, some I, Marx Brothers films. Like I, I don't know, it's 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 a little interesting. Oh, and um, yeah. oh, what is the name of the Polish filmmaker that all his releases are Arrow Video here, but they're all Arrow Academy there? Um, uh, Borowczyk. Oh, uh, Borowczyk. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's early uh, Arrow, and that's almost like the beginning of Arrow Academy. Yeah. Um, and, and frankly, I I kind of think he fits more better with the main line. Yeah. Um, and he's kind of, he's kind of a little both. Um, yeah, they said they're not going away, but here's here's how they worded it. We are currently reviewing how we can move the Arrow Academy line forward, and we'll be keen to talk with some of you for a, a feedback session on this soon. So maybe um, I put my name in the hat, and maybe we'll give them feedback, saying more Arrow Academy, go us, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I think there's still a home for stuff, but... Um, but yeah, I, I, and I think Ramirez is an, an example of one that would probably sell, but maybe some others won't. Maybe like um, Shohei, uh, not Shohei, um, well, uh, Seijun Suzuki, some of those later sets, they, they seem like maybe less popular. I, I don't oh, know. I love their uh, uh, Toshio uh, films from him. Those are probably my favorite Suzuki films ever made. <laughs> That's one of my favorite sets I own. I actually need to get get to watching some of those, but they they have the apartment, Gosford Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they have, have some, some big titles. They yeah, I figure they have to sell the Sheltering Sky. I pre-ordered that as well. So, but you know, th- this is probably more our our tempo, and um, so maybe we are. You know, Criterion is kind of a niche, um, but audience that does well, and I, I'd say, yeah, I don't know. So we'll see. Yeah. And, and what's the deal with the cases? You, you were mentioning the cases Yes. So, so this is actually kind of something with the Imamura set, because, I mean, the standard Arrow Blu-ray set has, it's like a, uh, a standard Blu-ray case, but it's all clear. It's not blue. Uh, it has the little bit at the top there, whereas a Criterion case is the cover is all the way up to the top. And for the Imamura set, it looks like they're thin Criterion cases. And this is an issue that both Arrow and Master and Eureka, actually, I'll use the full company title there, are facing. I believe that those cases were made by or manufactured by Amory, and Amory mm-hmm. has discontinued that kind of case. So they have been struggling to try to find a solution. 
I have seen some Arrow things around or posts with people saying, like, I just bought this on Arrow and it's in a standard blue Blu-ray case. You never think that the standard blue Blu-ray case looks ugly until you put it next to a clear case. Right. And then suddenly it's like, what's going on here? There were some rumblings that Eureka might switch to the standard Criterion cases, and for the people that are a little bit nutty like me that like to have a little consistency, that's a little frustrating. It seems as though Eureka has found a new vendor, so the cases look slightly different, but from the spine, they're going to look identical, so that's good. Okay. Well, I, that's fine. I assume Arrow might be doing the same thing, but that was an issue that uh, Amory decided to discontinue that uh and the cases that criterion uses are manufactured by skinovo mm-hmm. right right yeah, yeah. That, that's too bad because i those are nice cases they really right. are. are are those the d- dual format cases because or, or the multi-disc uh, because I, I know arrow does that more often than yeah uh, most arrow things are come in both but i have a number of eureka releases that are single disc and they come in the that's same true. kind of case yeah it has the blu-ray logo at the top it's just it's like i said it's like a standard blue blu-ray case it's a little thicker and it's all clear throughout which i think just looks a little nicer on the shelf huh well i, I don't have an opinion i guess i'll just see how it shakes out but i'm still going to watch um, eureka and um an arrow and just got the Mothra and uh, and then the the other Shiro Hondo uh, Honda double feature. Oh yes, so I can't wait for that. Mothra is so bonkers. Did you get Waxworks as well? I did not. Oh, should I? You should. I I think it's uh, it's it's the closest uh, other uh, silent film you will find to having the same kind of style as the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari. Really? Wow, mm-hmm. I, I I missed out the missed out. And I think it has some of the most beautiful tinting. Uh, this new new release. I had only ever previously seen it uh, on YouTube, which was probably a VHS transfer. And seeing this is like seeing it for the first time. It's fantastic. Not the wow. best silent film out there, but it has some great visuals. That's one thing. I, I tend to buy those films in in, in, in groups because of the shipping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll probably add that next time. And that, but that's one thing about Arrow, going back to Arrow Academy, is often I'll go to Arrow Academy or Arrow for the, the Academy title, but then I'll buy a couple... Uh, arrows just to fill up my cart and get that shipping um you know so because otherwise it's twenty dollars for a twenty dollar disc <laughs> yep. and that doesn't make sense um so yeah that's uh, that's pretty much it in the criterion and home media world um you want to just talk uh, quick short takes sure you want to go ahead dave let's do this i i think we're both talking about some fairly recent releases from criterion um i think yeah this did come out in november right uh claudia wells Girlfriends, which is a movie that I was previously unaware of, that I bought. I had heard some rumblings that it's supposed to be really, really good, and it completely blew me away. It's, it's, uh, hold on, I want to find out the exact year because it feels very 70s, but I think it 70, might have come, 78. 78. Okay, I gotcha. wasn't sure if it came out in 1980 or if it was still in the 70s. But this is 1970s Francis Ha, basically. It, Mm-hmm. I think very much speaks to the, the experience of being a young adult, trying to find your place in the world, trying to find your place with friends, trying to find your place professionally. It's filled with amazingly realistic, flawed characters. Like, there are moments just like, oh, I hate that person. Oh, they're not yep. that bad. Oh, I like this person. Oh, I don't like <laughs> them. Oh, I guess they're just a normal human being. It's, it's, it's very earnest, very honest. I know Stanley Kubrick was a huge fan of this film. I think that this deserves a lot more attention. A lot more people need to see it. Um, it has a surprise appearance from Christopher Guest before <laughs> uh, before this is Spinal Tap. Uh, Bob Balaban is in there as well. Um, 
Eli Wallach. <laughs> so there's a, a lot of great uh, great people that kind of pop up. And no, I, I really loved this movie. I thought it was fantastic. It might be one of my favorite new discoveries of uh, 2020. Yeah, I, I just watched it as well. And when I said Sneezy Bob, I was actually thinking of you. Because uh, <laughs> during that scene where uh, he has a little issue with sneezes, mm. I did think of Sneezy Dave. <laughs> I, I, I will admit, I, I, I did mute my microphone at, when I had to sneeze earlier, so I should have just sneezed to, 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 for, for the fans. Very courteous of you. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. And, you know, what's, what's interesting is, is I, I hated to go there, but I thought, you know, this is, this is giving me a girl's vibe um, and a little Lena Dunham. And, um, but the character is, and, you know, I, I know there are people that love Lena Dunham and hate Lena Dunham. Speaking of divisive, <laughs> I'm kind of somewhere down the middle uh, but I would say this the, the lead character is a lot more relatable and um, endearing than Lena Dunham but I, it still had that New York young young people trying to find their way and then I found out that the, the director uh, uh, Claudia Wheel uh, directed an episode of Girls mm-hmm. and this actually was like the um, the primary influence on that show so uh, love I it or hate it, it. I, yeah, I, Tiny Furniture you know this is that's where it came from so, yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, I thought it was a really remarkable uh, character study. And, yeah, like you put it very well. It's uh, very, very flawed characters. Um, but they have, uh, they have admirable, admirable qualities as well. Um, even Christopher Guest. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah. I, I really liked it. It's one of those movies that probably should have been talked about more than it has been talked about. So uh, very happy for Criterion to put this out again. Uh, Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're giving a voice to, to a filmmaker who is... I, it doesn't seem like she's made a lot of feature films. She didn't, no. She, I think she made... She, maybe a couple. She's but... directed a lot of TV, but this yeah. really deserves a lot of credit. So for anyone that's on the fence about buying this, that wasn't sure if they should buy it, definitely buy it. It's really good. Yeah, it's it's great. And yeah, there are some, some really strong films this year. Uh and, and really strong, strong female films, and it sounds like that'll continue next year. Uh, well, mine is a very much a masculine film, um, <laughs> as about as masculine as you can get. Um, and yeah, I, these are both very new. In fact, I, these arrived in the same shipment for me. I don't know about you, uh, but this is a Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai by uh, Jim Jarmusch. And I had first watched this, it had, had not been too long. It was within, maybe not the last five years, but definitely the last ten and uh, it was one of those uh, those I've seen most of John Mish's library. I think it was one of the few that I uh, had not gotten to, and I and I really dug it when I first watched it. But um, this time I dug it even more. I was really uh, taken aback by it, and you know it kind of dawned on me. You know you have this, you have Forrest Whitaker. You know he's um, really you know, following the ways of the samurai. You know, he has this code he's living by, and uh, and Jarmusch is, I, I watched the Q&A too as well, and I, I recommend it, it's like an hour and a half. Wow. And I, I keep, keep on waiting for, uh, you know, a name the, from our community to, to come up in those questions, but so far no dice. Um, but um, but yeah, really, uh, and he, he name drops a lot of um, his influences, and the guy who knows film, uh, and talks a lot about samurai films that you and I love, and that inspired this, uh, which makes sense. He's also a big hip-hop film uh, fan, which um, makes sense with uh, RZA and mm-hmm. uh, him doing the soundtrack. Oh, the soundtrack and, is great. 
it's so it's it is and and just the way they use music in the film is just great and so i i don't know if i don't know if i'd call this an art film because it doesn't seem like it is but i kind of wonder who it's for I, I think it's an art film it's it's very weird in the sense that you don't you can't quite tell who the audience is meant to be I've only seen a handful of Jim Jarmusch films, and this is actually the first time I had watched it. And it really, very much, at sometimes felt like a, uh, a an Aki Kurismaki gangster film. It, it <laughs> more so than perhaps some of the other Jim Jarmusch films out there. It's very idiosyncratic, and I think that kind of adds to the quality. You almost get the sense that it's a, a bunch of people. Uh, playing gangster, a, a, a guy playing a samurai. Like no one really has any business being. Are doing what they're doing and it kind of almost brings up the absurdity of all these kind of outdated ways and notions yeah no and I, I, i'm just look, looking now it made nine million when it came out so maybe maybe it had trouble finding an audience although it's it's definitely an indie film i, I don't know what the budget was but certainly less than that yeah um and i think at this point with the home vid- video i think it's he's probably gotten return on, on oh, yeah. investment i I, yeah, I, I i do remember I, the I, first time i heard about this movie I, I was in high school and i was at like a i what what not an fye maybe uh it's one of those things that predated fye one of those like mall stores where you sure. can buy blu-rays or not blu-rays sam then. goody or something <laughs> so, yeah sam Go- like dvds and picking it up they had like a billion copies of it and like ghost dog the way at a samurai what is mm-hmm. this I know. And he, when you just look at the, the title, cover. it's it's a little <laughs> silly sounding. Yeah, the the original uh, poster I remember is it was just um, Forrest Whitaker, and, and it, it kind of looked like the poster, and and at that point the the Blu-ray or video case of a bad movie, mm-hmm. and you kind of wonder, oh, what's Ghost Dog? You know, is <laughs> but no, it's 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 a master. I, I think it's it's an art film, but it, it, this is a technical term, technical term. It's badass. It is. That's all. That's what I'm gonna say. It's badass. It's a, a crime film. Uh, mobster film and um and it's, yeah it's very um immersive you know you really get sucked into it um and uh yeah no, i i loved it and i'm glad i rewatched it i think it's the, the um again i recommend watching the q a there's a really good um uh, rizza uh, supplement with him talking about how uh, he got and how actually how he met uh um jarmish and how um and jarmish is a major wu-tang clan fan so um so that was a perfect marriage, and um, and gave him a break. And I love I'm I'm actually at the case here. I love that the Hagakuri book is in the Blu-ray. Now I'm not going to read this version um, because it's I think it's really just the quotes in the film. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, with the disc. So um, agree. So yeah, that, I forgot that that was in there. That popped out, and I was like, oh, what is this? Having not seen the <laughs> film, obviously, and I thought I got to go back and look at that, and forgot about it until you said something. Yeah, it's a what what a, what a time to be alive. Oh yeah, except for the whole COVID thing. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, things are great right now. Things are fine. Yeah. So, all right. Well, good to talk to you. But uh, what's your piece of flair? What's your um? What's getting your your goose from outside of Criterion? So uh, honestly, right now, like, and this is my thing that I was getting at earlier. Like, there, there's I, I feel like there's not a lot of new things out there, and with a lot of new things that are out there. I don't know what to watch. I, I know that there's new miniseries. There's some new movies that come out, like Borat came out, The Haunting of Bly Manor. But uh, I've been re-watching so many things, and actually I, I didn't quite know what to do for my piece of flair until it arrived literally seconds before it showed up at my front door. I got a new card game called Cinephile, a card game. So that is my piece no, of flair. Fun. This new thing. I have no idea how it's played. I'm literally looking through the cards. 
It is just, this is all actors. I have cards with Kurt Russell, David Bowie, uh, picking another thing out, Steve Carell. I'm wondering if the other thing is all directors and I have to match them. Harvey Keitel. No, this is more actors. Jennifer Jason Lee. So I have no idea how this game is played, but this <laughs> is going to be something that's going to entertain me when I'm not watching Criterion movies. So it, it's a very indie game. Um, it's a very nice box art. Seems like it's made by people that love movies. So once I figure out how it's played, um, I'm going to quite enjoy it, and I recommend other people check it out too. Well, I, I recommend you read the rules. Yes. Um, is is the boxing similar to the Fellini set? <laughs> no, it's it's very small. It, it's more so like a Cards Against Humanity type box. I I see. Okay, which yeah, that that's oh Cards Against Humanity is. I don't, I don't know how how complicated that is, but um yeah, that sounds good. I will say that the Haunting of Bly Manor was really good. Oh yes, and, that um, was fantastic. And, and Borat was uh, was was good too, and really funny. But a lot of people really hate Borat. I don't know why. <laughs> and Sasha Baron Cohen, but I enjoyed it. I like so. Borat. And speaking of miniseries, mine is The Queen's Gambit, which um, is a chess movie, and it stars, I, I can't, can't remember her name. Anna uh, Taylor-Joy? Anna Taylor-Joy. Taylor is that her name? She is magnificent, and so she plays a chess prodigy, and uh, it's basically a chess sports film. You know, it kind of follows that formula, uh, but it's really a well-told story, and and they, they use some visual uh, uh, flourishes that uh, some, some um, VFX flourishes that really kind of I think um, uh, visually capture what it's like to think through chess uh, and uh, and to you know just you know how you you always have to think ahead of your uh, opponent and um, and of course for the the masters of chess you know you're probably thinking you know if I played Bobby Fischer I would probably last two minutes um, but it's a really remarkable uh, uh, miniseries and I was caught off guard by how good it was and the her performance uh, as she is she, just her stare as she's at a chessboard with somebody, um, and, and obviously she plays a very, very good chess player. Um, and then there's there's an evolution throughout the series. She grows up. You know, she starts as a child. So yeah, I highly, highly recommend watching it. A lot of you probably have because I saw that it was the the most watched miniseries on Netflix history. <laughs> I um, I need I, to watch it then. I I've heard a lot of good, good things. Yeah. Well, you heard heard it again. <laughs> so go, go watch it uh, when you can. Uh, yeah, Queen's Gambit. Highly recommend it. Probably my miniseries of the year. No, oh. um, yeah. yeah, better than Bly Manor, which was also good. Yeah, and it's only seven so, episodes, which means it's very digest digestible. Oh, it is bingeable. Just trust me on that. You may, I think, I made it like three days, and that was just because I was waiting for my wife. Mm -hmm. but it's very bingeable. I'm gonna have to check um, it out. Yeah. So, all right. Well, Cinema versus Dave. Where can we find you online? You can find me at Davey. <laughs> You can find me at Cinema versus Dave, at Cinema vs Dave on Twitter, uh, and Letterboxd. I spend most of my time on Twitter, and then every few days have to scramble to try to remember what I've watched to update my Letterboxd. <laughs> but I'm in both places. You're good at Twitter. I've told you this before, but uh, yeah, I, I, I tweet. I'm actually, I tweet occasionally. You do, yeah. I, I'm the opposite. I, I I'm more focused on Letterboxd, and then sometimes I'll remember to tweet something and. Um, but I, I do, again, I've, I've told you this before, your tweets pop up on, on my feed. So, so I open Twitter, and it's usually Dave Cinema versus Dave. Now, who's winning, Cinema or Dave? Cinema is always winning, but I'm trying okay. to fight back. No, I've so been it's trying, a losing battle. Yeah, I've been trying to keep up with uh, noir -vember for November, so I'm posting lots of film noir gifts. Good. I am super late in posting some for today, so I need to 
uh, go make some gifts from what am I doing today? Ace in the Hole to post. So I'll be posting some Ace in the Hole gifts today. Billy Wilder gifts. Oh, yes. Um, Cool. Well, follow follow Dave. Probably one of the best follows of anybody we we ever have on the show. Excellent. So, um, all right, and that's it. You can find uh, me, Letterboxd, DSNT. You can find us at Criterion Cast and on the Criterion Master Feed. I think we're probably going to do our end of the year stuff pretty soon, so that's always fun. And, um, And, yeah, with that, we're out.